All right, guys, we are back for another episode of the Hustle Podcast uh, for episode 11. And today we have a very special guest, uh, Chris Lamb with Mortgage One. Um, Chris and I have been friends for a while, uh, kind of journeying in the social media aspect. Yeah. And then also, you know, both trying to do podcasts as well. So yeah. I'm excited to kind of hear more of just like how business is going for you. Um, Chris has made some really big changes recently with uh, moving into a new company. Yep. Um, so we're just going to pick your brain on whether you're, you know, thinking about getting into the mortgage company or just starting out in a business, we're going to just learn some nuggets from you. So, cool. um, Chris, why don't you give them a little bit of background, um, about your financial background and kind of how you got started? Thanks for having me. Yeah. It's good to be with you. Um, <laughs> yeah, you're to blame for the social media yeah. <laughs> and the content creation. I had blinders on for 10 or 15 years and just took care of clients, you know. Called. I think you did was, were like, I'm not going to be on Instagram. That's not for me. And I think I, like, I actually told you, you that. You did tell yeah. me that. <laughs> Until so many of my clients were using you guys. Yeah. And I, they, yeah, we saw them on Instagram. I'm like, oh, okay. I guess it's not just for 12 year olds that are dancing <laughs> online. So anyhow, so yeah, I mean, my background is I, I'm a North Cal, NorCal resident. Um, I, uh, I got into the mortgage business, I think I told you this, in 2000, um, 2002. Uh, so when I was in high school, a junior, I did not like school very much. And back when I was in school, which wasn't doesn't feel like it was that long ago, but I guess it was, there was a program where you could go to work from 12 to 5 and get school credits. Mm. And I grew up, you know, relatively poor compared to, you know, most of the kids and friends I had. And so I was like, man, I don't have to go to school and I can get a job. That sounds really cool. Yeah. And so for me, it was a job at first. And I, I was uh, just working in the office, helping the loan officers at the time. And, you know, there it was slow in 02. It wasn't a very busy market. And one of the guys that was there, he said, hey, why don't you come in? And he started teaching me how to do loans and how to mm -hmm. process loans. And so that went into my senior year, graduated, and I've been in the business ever since. And so at the beginning, it was a job, mm -hmm. but it's really become, it became a career. And, and now it's really become kind of a purpose for me because of what I've experienced. So, yeah, yeah. that's awesome. Um, as you've kind of grown, um, I know that there's so many avenues we could take this conversation oh, just because yeah. of your depth of knowledge in business and just as like our friendship has involved. Um, I'm curious. So more recently, um, obviously throughout those years of starting in the lending business, eventually you took on running your own team, mm -hmm. your crew. At what point did you say, okay, I'm going to switch over to kind of creating my own culture, my own business, and I feel confident in what I'm doing? That's a great question. So in 2000, right around 2008, which, you know, was when the market crashed, mm -hmm. um, that was when I decided to get serious about the mortgage business, yeah. which was not a great time to do it. <laughs> I think you could almost compare that to someone getting in the mortgage business today. Yeah. And I had also, I I'd met my wife and, and so in 09, we were engaged to be married and I got cancer like mm -hmm. right uh, a few months before we got married. And so I had to go through chemotherapy. We got married fast instead of waiting, um, went through four months of chemotherapy, had stage four cancer. And, you know, that was a crazy experience. And I, I was self-employed at the time. So, you know, we had some reserves, we owned a house, but we were by no means like financially free. 
Totally. And so I would have to go to the hospital every day to get pumped full of chemotherapy uh, for about five hours. And I had a laptop with a Verizon card because there wasn't a whole lot of Wi-Fi back then. And I pre-approved people while I was going through that process because I had no other choice. Mm-hmm. And, <clears throat> you know, at the end of that, it was really hard because a lot of the referral partners I had stopped referring to me. And I don't blame them for that. But, you know, they didn't know if I was going to make it. Yeah. And so, you know, I ended up making it through that season I, financially and I lived, obviously. And my wife and I were we were sitting on the couch about three months later and I was working I was working probably 90 hours a week at that time because I was really competitive and I wanted to try to make something for us. It, you know, my intentions were good, but I wasn't spending time with her. Mm-hmm. And she looked at me and she just said something I'll never forget. She's like, this is not what I signed up for. Yeah. And so I did not know what to do because if for business owners that are trying to run their business, and this is not unique for any person who starts a business, we, we get into it and we just, we have to be the marketer. We have to be the operations manager. We have to be the receptionist. We have to be the client concierge, everything. (laughs) And, you know, in my business, there wasn't a whole lot of training on how to go from a salesperson to a business person, have a good business. But I knew for me that it's like something has to change because this won't be sustainable. Mm -hmm. And so it was about a week later that I was introduced to a coaching program that I've now been with for about 13 years. And they really taught people in real estate and mortgage how to create systems, structure, and build a team to cater to your clients so that you can scale, grow, and still have a little bit of work-life balance. It's not perfect, but it, it, it at least allows you to have a process where you can still take care of your clients and still get home at a decent hour. And, and that was really key for me. So I went to a conference, been with those guys ever since. And I started hiring people and going through that whole journey, Mm -hmm. um, creating job checklists, which was something I never knew how to do and creating, you know, inboxes and workflows so that every phone call and email did not have to be answered by me. Mm -hmm. And what I found was, first of all, I was super anxious about doing any of that because I was so worried that the main thing that had gotten me to where I was, was that people enjoyed working with me. What happens if I say, Hey, I'm going to have someone call you to go through that bank statement with you. I was so worried that was going to destroy Change, yeah. it was going to destroy my business. But what I found was we were able to still do a good job and we actually grew because mm-hmm. we we created bandwidth in yeah. our business. And and so that was really kind of the journey and you know 13 years later now um I'm still running a team. I mean, this market's a little different than it was 2 years ago. So yeah, very are, different. And that's a conversation we <laughs> will we'll have. Um, but yeah, I think it's important for business owners to realize that the difference between where you're at and where you want to be is usually it's systems and, and skills that you probably don't have. And right. so the first thing I always tell people is if you're wanting to grow your business, whether you're motivated by money or you're just wanting to get a little bit of your time back, mm-hmm. uh, you have to find people that know how to do that because yeah. you, know, you don't know what you don't know. Yeah, in um, one of my more recent coaching sessions, probably about like two months ago, I'm a very big person that's like, oh, I can do it really quick. And Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people in growing their business don't realize that if you don't operate in a team aspect and you think, oh, well, I just know how to do it, you'll forever be at a position of like, you will never be able to buy back your time. And so it's knowing like what your hourly rate is 
yeah. uh, to know if this is productive work or not. And as soon as you find that and you put in place like this person manages this, it's like it, it, it's like the daily tasks become, hey, what am I actually doing that's productive with yeah. my time? And so there's actually a book called Buy Back Your Time. And um, I told my coach, I was like, I feel like this is for me, like mm -hmm. buy back your time for Faith Bear. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's so important. I mean, the the thing is, I was talking to a loan officer. I coach loan officers nationwide. And recently I was talking to a guy who's doing pretty well. He's new. He's been around for about three years and he's doing three loans a month. And he was telling me how what his referral partners and clients love is that they can reach him anytime. Mm -hmm. They can text him anytime. And I was listening to him and I said, hey, man, that's really cool. I said, but here's the thing you're doing three loans right now and you're getting referrals because you do a great job. Mm -hmm. I said, what happens when you get to eight? Mm -hmm. Because if you're doing a good job, your business is going to grow. Yeah. And so, so you're going to be in a position at some point in the future where you have to decide between, and he just had a baby mm. working 70 hours a week and yep. not being home with your family. You're going to have to turn business down, which is not a good decision for anybody because you'll lose business doing that. You'll lose all the business at some point. You can't turn clients down. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, you know, every now and then there's a client that doesn't fit, but that's right, not what I'm saying. Right, totally. Or you're going to have to figure out how to scale. Mm -hmm. And so I think the decision to scale for so many people, they make it a little bit too late. Mm -hmm. And it's because they're having tension in their life. Their spouse isn't happy. They get a divorce. Their kids are and counseling or they don't have kids and they want to, but they don't know how that's going to fit. And so I think the biggest problem for people specifically in our industry, but this is true for all entrepreneurs is figuring out the scaling process as soon as possible. And you're not going to do it perfectly. Mm -hmm. You're probably going to have some people that are going to be like, but I really like the way you used to do things. And that is a really hard thing to have to talk to people about. Mm -hmm. It's not easy, but yeah. when it comes down to, you know, your values, if you want to try to enjoy the life you have and, and work hard, you really have to figure out that journey. Yeah. And I think there's some people in like my coaching system who's like, all I am happy with is if I do 50 transactions a year and yeah. you're like, that's great. Then you know what your limit is and you take 50 yeah. clients on. But like you're saying, like scaling has to be of where you envisioned it and where you created necessary steps. So you're not reacting. Yep to what initially is hitting you um, for that. So buying back your time, you know, scaling mm -hmm. in a way that, you know, doesn't feel reactionary is huge, I feel mm -hmm. like in the business. So uh, the the great question that I had today is if everybody was to kind of look at today's market and mm -hmm. understand, you know, in the real estate world, mm -hmm. in the mortgage industry world, it's a very volatile, nobody knows what's yeah. gonna happen, a lot of fear. Yeah. Um, how are you kind of controlling the narrative for your clients? Yeah, that's a great question. So, you know, first of all, let's just kind of say what it is right now. Yeah, uh, interest rates are at a twenty-three <laughs> year high. Yep. Um, prices have not really gone down much. I mean, they're starting to soften right now. Mm -hmm. And you know, we don't know if that's uh, you know seasonal because mm -hmm. it always does this time of year. Or yeah. if we're, we're going into a longer term trend. Yeah. So it's hard to know. Um, but for sure, when people look at their mortgage payment right now it's not what it was four or five years ago. Mm -hmm. You know, you rarely hear someone that's like, I'm comfortable with my payment and I'm stoked about the house. Mm -hmm. It does happen, but a lot of people are settling right now and making purchases they have to, or or they're looking at buying a property because they, they're sick of renting. Mm -hmm. And so it's it's really tough for people with the affordability index right now. And, and it's something you and I deal with every day. 
So I think that what's important for people to know is buying real estate has always been a long game. Mm -hmm. And so I think if someone has a seven to 10 year plan to own real estate um, and they can afford it, mm -hmm. I'm not saying the payment's comfortable. Yeah, I'm saying they can afford it. Uh, they should really consider becoming educated on buying a property. I don't think they should rush into it. I think that there is some advantages in today's market. Sellers are becoming a lot more willing to negotiate. Days on market is going up. Um, and there's probably going to be some pretty great opportunities over the next three to six months. But I do think that people should become educated on it because here's the thing. If someone looks at a mortgage payment right now and they look at where they qualify mm -hmm. and it's not where they want to be and the house that they can afford is not a house that's safe or in an area that they would want to live in, they at least need to know their roadmap and the things that they need to do to be able to put themselves in the right position. In fact, I was meeting with one of our clients this last week for the second time in a year. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a lot of the conversations I'm having with people right now is so different than it was four years ago. It's how to help them make more money. Yeah. It's t teaching them negotiation skills to go the, to their employer and try to get a raise because they're a great employee. They want to raise a family in a home and get out of the apartment, but mm -hmm. they just don't make enough money right now. Yeah. And so I, I think that people have to look at, they have to look at this in a way where we don't know if prices will ever get to an affordable spot ever again. Mm -hmm. I hate to say that, but we just don't know that. And so focusing on raising your income, getting out of bad debt and preparing yourself, even if it's a year down the line is what home buyers should be thinking right now. Yeah. And I always, and I, and I always tell people kind of similar, it's like, even if you're six, nine months out, like there's still so much preparation. Mm -hmm. And then there's a reality of like where, where affordability is. It's a huge sticker shock for some people. Yep. And it's like, okay, if you can't afford a $2,400 mortgage payment right now, start living like you're having a $2,400 yes. mortgage payment. So then it becomes more of a reality right. down the road. Um, but yeah, I would say affordability is a huge conversation and it. And I think there's also, you know, different markets. So like, I have a client who's moving down, down South and it's like this insane bidding war, like mm -hmm. 60, $70,000 over asking. And I'm like, wow, that is just not our market here. And I think it just really also goes back to like what the average median income is for the area. So I always tell people like, if you're in this market looking for a house or trying to find the affordability, like no, don't read the headlines, know like what that market to market's doing mm -hmm. because it's so drastically different, yeah. you know? Um, I was telling somebody recently, um, September of 2023, uh, just for if this ever, you know, has a long shelf life, <laughs> uh, that our luxury market actually had a higher mm -hmm. uh, production volume last month yeah. than um, our average median income price homes. Like, yep. um, and it's crazy to see that shift of where affordability for some people are moving upwards and the affordability for maybe an average, you know, citizen in, you know, the Redding, California yeah. is changing, you know? Right. And so it's just so different, but I think preparation is huge for a lot of mm -hmm. people. And just because you get the taboo of like, you can't buy a house right now, shouldn't be why you shouldn't be in a, you know, right. preparation. So, yep. Um, okay. So you, with being how volatile the market is, I, you just made a huge change. Yep. You went from change mortgage to yep. mortgage one. Um, this is, you know, a huge, I know this has been on your vision board and kind of something you've been planning in the back end, how mindset wise and why, I guess, because yeah. if somebody was to look at you, they'd be like, this is the dumbest time to make a big change yep. in the industry. Yeah. 
Yeah. So I think it's important, you know, the, to understand the mortgage industry in 2008, 90% of companies went out of business. And so um, it's, it's a very good business to be in when it's good, but when it's tough, it's tough. And mm -hmm. 90% of mortgage banks across America have not made a profit this year. And some of the biggest ones are going out of business or getting acquired. And so having knowledge about that and just kind of seeing the landscape and having gone through this before, I, I really was looking at the affordability problem. Um, I was looking at the future of, you know, what consumers are doing, which is so much different than it was in 2008. For example, consumers are, are oftentimes going online mm -hmm. and getting information about lending before they talk to a lender or a realtor. And they want to have a lot more options, right? Because a few years ago, you know, a lender, it was an easy job. You come mm -hmm. in, your rate's two and a half percent. Here you go, sign here. Yep. But when rates are 8%, people really need to know what their options are and they need to be educated because it's it's they're feeling the pinch. And so I will say nothing bad about the company I was with for 12 years. I mean, I was there when they were really small and got to grow with them up to a $7 billion company. And I have shares in the company still and a lot of my friends are still over there. Mm -hmm. uh, but being in coaching with, with the group that I'm a part of, I, I also had a lot of friends that owned mortgage banks and, you know, some of the best ones in the country. And I just had an opportunity to go with a, a friend of mine with a company that was very forward thinking, mm -hmm. that's really nimble, and they've been able to make a profit this year. And one of the reasons why is because we're leveraging a lot of technology. Mm -hmm. And so there's AI tools now that will underwrite loans for a loan officer in two minutes that Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac will purchase. Uh, which really allows you to have less underwriters. And if rates drop super fast, your turn times don't go way up because you don't have to go out and hire a bunch more people. Mm -hmm. now, you remember when rates dropped, how hard it was to talk to lenders because yeah. it's hard to, you can't hire fast enough when mm -hmm. rates drop. Um, and then, you know, just having a ton of products, being able to do anything uh, anywhere in any state, you know, that's one of the big changes for me is I we loan in 23 states now. I mean, I had clients in Texas and Arkansas last week. And so a lot of our clients in California are migrating to different places. And because they worked with me six years ago, they want me to help them on the move out. And on the move in, by the way, I've had a lot awesome. of people moving back to California because so <laughs> I've got one closing right now who went to Montana because he hated California. And he's coming back because he literally told me last night, it was his birthday party. He said, Montana is not what I thought it was. And I think that people, you know, they're just trying to find a place that's affordable and they're feeling the yep. pinch on all sides. So having a company where we're, we can, you know, we can be really flexible with our pricing and um, competitive with our rates and do products that I wasn't able to do mm -hmm. has been a huge advantage for us. So, yeah. yeah. And what would you say kind of, I mean, I always try to like, understand from any business owner or entrepreneur that we interview is like, what would you say is your now having 12 plus years behind mm -hmm. your belt now going into building a company, what people would say is the worst time of the market. Mm -hmm. What would you say is the lessons you've learned 12 years ago to what you're applying today that allows you to say, yeah, like this makes sense. I have no fear. Like Etc. Like this is why I would want to jump in and do it yeah. because if it was somebody who is green, they'd be like, "Oh, I'm going to stick safe mm -hmm. and you know protect myself just in case this fails." I mean, everybody has their own risk, but yeah. what would you say is some of the lessons you've learned from your growth to get to this position, especially for a unique time in the market? Yeah. 
Well, that's a really big question. I'll, a couple things come to mind. The first house I bought in 2009, mm-hmm. uh, it was 10% lower than the peak. And I mm-hmm. thought I was getting a great deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the bottom wasn't till 2012. And that house went down 30% more in value. But I still own it today. And it's worth, you know, 50% more than I paid for it. It's always been rented. Mm-hmm. And so the long game is the mentality that people have to have, whether they're in business or investing. You cannot expect to do something great fast. Yeah. And and oftentimes when that happens, it's not necessarily a good thing mm-hmm. because things that come easy usually aren't good and not the sustainable. Thing, they're not sustainable. Yeah. yeah. Um, the other thing I would say around fear, I definitely believe in managing risk, but one of the greatest ways to manage risk is be is your experience of failing and falling on your face. I was, you know, I've been reading a lot in Proverbs lately about suffering because there's a lot of people suffering right now mm-hmm. and how it leads to perseverance and then to character. And that gives you hope. And, you know, if you really think about that, even Dave Ramsey, you know, he talks about all the things that he teaches. But what a lot of people don't know is Dave Ramsey was on the verge of bankruptcy early in his career. He was way over leveraged and he almost fell flat on his face. And if you talk to any wealthy person, it wasn't an easy road. Right. And so I just tell people like, man, at the end of the day, don't be afraid of failing. Mm-hmm. I mean, what's that all about? Yeah. yeah it, it, it's not always a bad thing to fail unless you give up. Mm-hmm. And so if someone wants to start a business right now, I think that, you know, the best thing to do is make sure you pull wise counsel in yep. because your, your idea may not be a great idea and it can be great if you pull some people in um, and, and really flesh it out. And if you have an idea, go for it. And worst case scenario, you're going to pivot. You're going to evolve it. You're going to find out what works or what doesn't work. A lot of times business people find out what doesn't work 10 times before they find out what works. And um, if you're willing to do that, I think you've got a great chance right now. You know, even though the media says we're in a recession, there's a lot of tough things. It's easier right now to make money than it's ever been in history. Mm -hmm. And I think it's because people are 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 afraid to put themselves out there. Yep. And like when real estate was hot post pandemic, it was like everybody and their mother was a realtor. And now to find those same people, it's like, oh, no, 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 like I gotta go back to something more secure. Mm-hmm. And even if you come and be a real estate agent now in today's market, I'm like, go for it. But like, what's your purpose? What's your vision? What's your why? Yep. Because if it's just, you know, just to make a paycheck here and there, like you're gonna get burnt out and it's not gonna be sustainable, yep. so. Yeah, I think we have similar mindsets on. <laughs> yeah, the Instagram videos make it look a lot, a lot more. Those are the best moments. <laughs> yeah, uh, the best moments that. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a lot of work. It's so. a grind. It's a grind. It is yeah. the hustle. The hustle. Yep. Um, well, I appreciate you popping in um, on this episode, sharing kind of your heart behind like where the mortgage industry is, and you know, if you are somebody who's looking to kind of flush out further financial. Um, questions about the market, where things are at with interest rates and all that, and you found this insightful, um, reach out to Chris. He's now over at Mortgage One. And uh, tune in next week for our next Hustle podcast. Thanks, Faith.